Welcome to my podcast, Don't Make This Weird. Each week I invite a special guest to talk about their life, the news, politics, and anything else that might come up. Welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird, uh, the podcast. I am super excited for my guest this week. He is a real-life New York comedian of the legendary brand, uh, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Please join me in welcoming to the show the funny, the gorgeous, the national treasure that is Mr. Edison Apple. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. Oh, sorry, my, my dog just started <laughs> acting up. I apologize. I might have to actually let him out of the room. Give me one second. I'm usually there. Go. Come on. Come on. They are usually there. Pretty well behaved, but... Actually, <sighs> hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Good. I thought they were going to be good, but I don't think so. How are you? I'm 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 fantastic. Now that you're here, I really liked uh, the introduction. Thanks. That was really fun. So on this podcast, uh, we do love a good origin story. So tell me about Baby Edison. Um, was was comedy always the goal, or um, was comedy always the goal? No, no. I come from uh, my mother was a huge academic, so we kind of, we had to go to school. I was. Um, so I'm from the Thana Autumn Indian Reservation. And so uh, school is paid for. So, and that's sort of how my mother got out was through education. And so my that's the only way that my mom knew. That's the only thing that my mother knew how that was the only way that my mother saw success or the way to take care of yourself. So school was it, you know? And so growing up, my mother had this thing where she would say, as long as you finish school, I'll support you in anything that you want to do. And uh, which was kind of bullshit ultimately, but <laughs> that was that was the agreement that we all had to make because um, school was free. We got to go to school for free. And uh, because the tribe paid for it through um, like tribal funding, casino funding and things like that. So when did when did you decide, or really, when was the first time you you thought that you know, hey, I'm funny? Uh, I had a friend named Oscar that was really funny, and that was quick. And I was more of a performer, and I went to performing arts high school, and uh, I was more of a showboat. And he, but he was funny like clever. And uh, I remember one night we were at this, cause my, my father was in the military. So I grew up in San Diego and he was funny. And I remember one time we were like going toe to toe when you go back and forth with someone. And that's when I knew that it was something that it was, that, that, you know, and he looked at me and I looked at him and it was like, oh, okay. And then, um, after I finished school, I moved to Los Angeles and I, I went to a conservatory and, but I had, for me, comedy was always like, um, like how people collected comic books and things like that. For me, I, even as a little kid, like stand up was like my, um, like my hobby, like my favorite thing, like I had like all the VHSs of like Delirious and Raw and Live on the Sunset Strip. And, um, and as a kid, I would memorize them. And then my dad used to have um, like uh, comedy records of like Jerry Clower and things like that. 
and he would memorize the stories and he would reenact them. And I started to do that and would mimic them and make everybody laugh and do the voices. So I ultimately started doing that. And then as I got older, I didn't, I realized that, oh, I, by doing that, I had memorized the formula and I knew that I could do it. And then when I was in Los Angeles, um, I started doing stand-up. Uh, I didn't know how to go about it, so I just met other gay, gay comedians. And then I met a trans comedian uh, named Ian Harvey, and he was dating Margaret Cho at the time. And we just became friends. And then she had a show called The Sensuous Woman at uh, Largo and asked if I would do, well, and she saw me, Ian and I were doing uh, this show called The Rebels of Comedy at the Hollywood Improv. And Margaret came and saw us in that and then asked if I would do her show at um, Largo and El Cid. And then did about 10 shows of that. And, um, and then from there, it just kind of took off just from being in that circle. And then being in the Largo uh, sort of scene, you know, Largo had like Sarah Silverman and friends and um, Margaret Cho's night. And then so I just started in that circle. And, um, and then from there, uh, a producer that worked with MTV and Logo at the time um, was looking for young comedians and put together like a group of up and coming comedians and produced a show for MTV and uh, Logo. And then DVDs came out and then they sent us on tour for, uh, for the, um, what does it call Film festivals and pride festivals. And that's kind of how I got started. Yeah. So then how, what, what brought you to, uh, New York? So, uh, I was, on tour with a comedian named Gloria Bigelow. And she was dating Obama's, it's so weird how my whole life has been like six degrees of separation with like politics. So she was dating um, Corinne Jean-Pierre who now works for uh, Joe yeah. Biden who was working for Obama at the time. And she was uh, in DC. And so I stayed in her apartment with Gloria and I just came to New York and wanted to stay. And I loved New York right away, right away. And then um, I just, you know, touring is really, really hard. You know, it's a hard life. And I really, want, I really wanted to like have a home and have an apartment and all of those things. And so uh, I just stayed in New York, you know? And uh, my, my trade, my like survival job was a makeup artist. And as a makeup artist, I got to make my own schedule, make enough money to take care of myself. And then it's so weird, you know, when you need to survive um, and you can't really do your art, whatever you put your time in flourishes, you know? And when you get to a certain age, it's not cute living on a couch or hanging out at the comedy club all night long. And so, and as a comedian, you know, the only way that you can book a tour is TV spots, you know? 
And so uh, I had written a show and uh, produced a show because all of my like management and all of that stuff was in Los Angeles. And when I moved to New York, they kind of let me go. But I loved New York so much and I wanted to be here, you know. And what I learned from uh, being in New York is that you really have to create your own work. That's really how it works. You really have to be, you can't just be a comedian. You have to be a writer. You have to be a producer. You really just have to create your own work. And the, so that's what I did. And I wrote a one-man show and it got, uh, it got good reviews and things like that. And then, um, and then I needed to survive. And so I just started doing, um, doing makeup on the side. And then uh, drugs and alcohol kind of kicked in and kind of slowed my comedy career down. And then I had to get sober, which saved my life. And then uh, during that time, I just, I didn't do any stand-up at all and uh, focused on sobriety and was just doing makeup. And from my makeup career I was doing all of these like political people like I was doing like Jennifer Weisselberg who was like connected to who was like turning in the tax papers to so-and-so and then congresswomen and then um and then I was working with the hairdresser who uh stormed the capitol who started that um, walk away movement and all of these things. And, and I just started to, and then I, I worked with a Congress uh, woman who was like, it's your responsibility to get active. And so I just got really politically active. And then, um, and then I got custody and then um, my brother died. I have custody of a kid now. And, uh, and then I got a Netflix special, which was a huge deal. And then I lost it due to COVID, the pandemic. And I was just like, and then that kind of did me, did me in for a little while. And, um, and that's where I'm at now. You know, I'm back to the drawing board, have a couple of things in the pipeline, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. And uh, a couple of people reached out um, to do some stuff, but balancing survival and your art are, you know, it, it's, it's a juggling act. Yeah. Um, so you have mentioned that uh, you had become politically active, um, mm -hmm. and it would be it would be remiss of me uh, to let an episode of this show go by uh, without at least talking a little bit about politics. Um, we are mm -hmm. in a midterm year. Uh, which uh, which races are you watching uh, this year? I'm really watching. So it's, this is really weird. So my father, so my mother went to Fort Lewis College in Durango. And Lauren Boebert is the Congresswoman of Durango, Colorado. So I have family in Durango. And so, and I'm really not close to them. Um, they're my father's side and I really wasn't, you know, my father's Afro-Latino, so I'm not really, really close to them, but, um, I, you know, they're religious. I don't know how conservative they are, you know, but, um, you know, my father was not very educated and was very colorist you know he married my mother because she was light 
And, um, you know, back in those days, it was, um, it was legitimizing to somebody who was dark skinned to uh, marry somebody who was passing or who was light skinned. And even though my mother wasn't white, she, she was light skinned enough to pass. And then, and then he ended up leaving my mother for somebody who was. And so that family wasn't really educated, you know? And so I could see why. Anyway, so that family is connected to them. And then um, the rest of my family on my mother's side is in Arizona, which is uh, where Kristen Cinema is. And I have a lot of family, a lot, a lot of family out where uh, in Tucson, in Arizona, uh, on the reservation, a lot on the reservation. And the Thana Autumn Reservation is spread out. It, it starts between Ajo and goes into Tucson. And so the people that are being elected are people who are like um, small people, like um, county supervisors and people uh, that are in charge of like small things, but ultimately are really, really important. And Arizona is really, really, really ridiculous. You know, it's really ridiculous. And there are a lot of native people out there and the native community is, is very passive. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're very, um, not all of them, you know, but uh, they have a tendency to be very stoic, not the younger community, but um, I mean, there are people on my reservation who still refuse to learn English, who are still dealing with trauma from like, when the churches would come in there and take the kids and take them to boarding school. Um, and, uh, or who, who have diabetes and refuse to go get treated, you know? So there's a lot of that out there. So I usually focus on, on those races. I even thought about going to, I even thought it was like, well, what if I run, you know? Like, what if I move out to Arizona and run, you know? I've thought about things like that. And um, just because I'm so, I mean, I, I'm constantly, like, that's all I watch on YouTube. You know what I mean? And um, I'm into a lot of queer politics, you know, a lot of race politics, a lot of colorism politics, things like that. Um, even a lot of my beliefs are, uh, I get into it with a lot of people. Just sometimes I think people are afraid to say a lot of things, you know, there was, uh, I was so shocked. So there's this guy, uh, named, um, God, what's his name? Do you know who I'm talking about? He, um, I'm sorry, am I talking too much? No, absolutely not. Okay. So there's this guy, he was a hairdresser and I worked with him when I was a makeup artist. And uh, something Straka, Adam Peter Straka. Anyway, he started this movement called Walk Away. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I knew him, I knew him uh, from, from, uh, uh, from sobriety. Anyway, I know we're not supposed to out people, but fuck okay. it. And I just thought, and I had worked with him before. He did like this one man show where he like sang all these Madonna songs and uh, I did makeup 
for like this uh, trans girl for him. Like I just, I had worked with him and I was so shocked when I saw what he was doing. I was just, I was just in complete shock. And then I saw that he spoke at CPAC and I watched, I, I, I just was like, let me just listen and let me watch. And so I listened to his speech and although he, he went about it the wrong way, I think And ultimately his message is wrong. What his, because a part of me feels like we are the reason that Donald Trump has followers. I feel like we're the reason that Donald Trump got, got them. We didn't protect them. My, my ex-stepfather, the man that my mother married uh, after my father, like is a huge Donald Trump supporter. And it, it's just mind boggling because, you know, we, I think that there's a tendency for us to be elitist. You know, we were running around in this world where you know, with our beautiful black president and his gorgeous genius Ivy League wife and our gay marriage and, and our brilliant diversity and forgetting that there are people in middle America who, like, I guess it's people of color and people, um, we're used to not being represented and we're so used to not, but those people aren't. And I understand that, but we're still supposed to bring them in. We're, we're still supposed to teach them. We're still supposed to take care of them. You know what I mean? And even that new generation, even that ignorant generation, we're, sp we're still supposed to protect them and bring them in and teach them as people who know better and know more, we're still supposed to bring them in, you know, and allow them to ask the wrong questions and allow them to be stupid and allow them to um, make mistakes. Because the reason that we didn't, that's how Trump got them, you know? And because we made them feel like that. We made them feel excluded. We made them feel like we were better than them. We made them feel like they couldn't ask questions or we would call them a racist. We made them feel like, uh, because I've been around white people who don't feel cool enough or ethnic enough, you know? I've been around white people who feel like they have to make up something in order to feel a part of something, you know, because they don't feel like who they are is enough, you know, they have to make up something. I'm non-binary now. It's like, no, who you are is enough, you know, it's okay being who you are. Just being a, a plain old white straight girl is enough, you know? And, but because we've scared these people so much of saying the wrong thing, of, of sounding racist, of sounding stupid, of sounding ignorant, um, they don't ask questions. They don't, uh, they're not involved in the conversation. You know what I mean? And it affects everybody. It affects everybody. It, affect, it really does affect everybody. And, um, and all it does is build their army even more, you know, and get people we love. I talked to my stepfather and I'm like, I try to tell him, I was like, the people that you love are, are people of color. 
I'm, I, I, I'm a gay person of color and you love me, but Trump and those supporters, they don't love me. They don't support me. I was like, you have a child. My brother who died is, his mother is a person of color. You know what I mean? And what Trump represents doesn't support that, you know? And the message that they perpetuate doesn't support that, you know? And I just feel like, and then people say, well, it's not our job, but it is our job. It is our job, I think, to, to protect them because we know better, you know? I do, I think, I think that we know better now. You know, and ultimately, I think that white people kind of go around not wanting to. There's just this, like, I don't know, I don't know. I just feel like it causes more, more separateness, you know, and more fear. And all it does is it goes, it goes against, um, it goes against, like, everybody like it doesn't it doesn't help anybody you know and it just it hurts it hurts everybody like nobody wins you know and i remember i was listening to like one of your podcasts uh and and you asked a question to the guest and What did you ask? I don't know. I just think people, I don't, I'm not afraid to say certain things, you know? But I think a lot of people I don't know, I don't want to get you in trouble. (laughs) anyway go ahead I'll let you talk so um being that you you are in New York um there there are some people who um I'm trying to think of a a way to phrase this question Um, because the way the way I have it in my notes doesn't make sense. Um, So the new mayor of New York, uh, how how would you grade him so far based on uh, his performance? I think it's too. I think it's too, I don't think it's a fair grade. How can you, how can you, you're putting someone in uh, a position that's, that's not, that's not fair. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, this is not New York. This is not normal New York, you know? You're giving somebody like the worst, I don't know. It takes somebody extraordinary to be able to fix the situation that we're in. And I don't think that that's, that this is an extraordinary person to do that. You know what I mean? 
that's that's fair that's that's a completely fair um a completely fair answer to that um and as as i am not in uh new york it's you know i didn't i don't really have any skin in that game where are you uh, i am in alabama actually oh my mother's father was from Alabama. Oh, really? What part? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> they used to make moonshine in Alabama. I they there 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 are those that still do. Um, that's that's still a thing that happens. Um, actually, somebody does it in my neighborhood. So. <laughs> <laughs> So we have um, come to the portion of the show where I dive into uh, my email and pull a question from a listener. Okay. Uh, this week's letter comes to us from Cindy in Wisconsin. Thank you for um, listening to the show, Cindy, and thank you for writing in. I appreciate you. Uh, Cindy would like to know how many times is acceptable for a comedian to use the same joke how many times is it acceptable for a comedian to use the same joke uh well a joke usually evolves you know and i think that the way that joke writing works is you take a joke and and it evolves you add to it or you change it for the situation and then usually you get it to a point where you film it and then after something is filmed then you usually start from scratch i have a complete brand new set because um, my old set is was about drugs and sucking dick and now I don't do drugs and I haven't sucked a dick in a long time so uh, now my life is like after school programs and grocery shopping um, but I will get back there after the <laughs> drugs, but. So we have now come to, uh, the portion of the show where I, um, play a little game with all of my guests. I have in front of me just 15 complete, completely just random ass questions. Um, okay. so you down to play? I'm down. All right. Question number one, uh, what was your first job ever? Oh, my first job ever was playing Cookie Monster and Sesame Street show review at SeaWorld. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And it had like the little animatronic hand things where the mouth would move. I was a dancer. I went to performing arts high school. so. My first job was as a dancer and I was 16 and we like had like a little, yeah, it was at SeaWorld. Awesome. What is your guilty pleasure? Cigarettes. Oh, yeah, cigarettes. Cigarettes. I feel that. Me too. Or masturbating. <laughs> Um, if aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? No. No? Mm -mm. I, have too, I have too many errands to run. <laughs> Whitney or Mariah? Mariah. Okay. Mariah. You are... You are the first person to answer Mariah. 
on this show. What? In, really? In three seasons of this show, that is the first yes. Mariah. Oh my god! I love I love Whitney Houston and um, and her voice. I think is is beautiful and clear, but I. I was so disgusted with what I was so disgusted with how people treated her when she died and how people treated her when she was using because I hate when people are just like, oh, how could you do that? You know, she was the voice and that voice and, and your gift and like, like she only had value because, you know, like she's still someone's sister. She's still someone's mom. She's still someone's wife, you know, like, like she only had value because of that. It just grossed me out. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like shame on us for the way that we treated her, you know, like her only she was only valuable to us because of that, you know? And that just, it just, it just broke my heart, you know, that we only wanted her when, you know? Yeah. Or we only wanted her because, you know, and I think she knew that. And I just feel like shame on us, but Mariah. <laughs> I'm a lamb. If you could commit any crime and get away with it, what would you pick? Any crime and get away with Um, I would assassinate Donald Trump and Putin. That's good. That's. I feel like that's a victimless crime. I think you'd be, they'd probably give you like a Medal of Honor or some shit. Mm. What, what is a film that most people hated, but that you love? Um, got to be something like or somebody or it's like with some femme fatale I really like female assassin movies um, but I don't know if anybody hated those but that's I really love People not like to make them see. Right? You'd have to like give me a movie that people hate and ask me if I loved it or not. Um. Okay. Better. Better way to ask this question. Uh, what is, what's your guilty pleasure movie? 
Um, uh, my guilty pleasure movie is, oh, I have several. Uh, <laughs> there's this movie called Anna. And then there's this movie called uh, Labor Day. I, I feel like I've seen that. Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, Anna, because I have fantasies about assassinating. It's about this female assassin and she assassinates the head of um, the Russian um, KGB, the head of the KGB, and gets away with it. And then, uh, and then Labor Day is about, um, it's with Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin. And he escapes from prison and spends Labor Day with her and her son. I have seen that, yeah. It's so sweet. Like when I'm feeling romantic. Those are sweet movies. Uh, what is a film that you could or have watched over and over and never get sick of? Watch over and over. Um, Well, I guess it would probably be serious, like, um, Uh, I guess, um, I don't know, like something cheesy, like, oh God, Sex in the City. Okay. Yeah. Or Insecure. Also a good one. Like, like shows like about like being single in the city with your friends, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite Christmas song? My favorite Christmas song is um, uh, what's that one? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Carol of the Bells. Carol of the Bells, yeah. That is also um, actually my favorite Christmas song. It's very haunting. I love it. It's so ominous. I love it. Um, if you had an extra $20 to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself and you could mm -hmm. not buy food, mm -hmm. what would you buy? I would get uh, a foot massage uh, downtown. Yeah, I could get a 30-minute foot massage downtown on 8. Right on. Mm -hmm. What is the best show on television right now? The best show on television right now is... Oh! Mm. The best show on television right now is... Uh, oh, my God. Sober? I think it's called Sober. Is it Sober? Who, who's in it? Nobody famous. It's about this girl <laughs> who, uh, I think it's called Sober. It's about this, it's about this girl who, uh, 
uh, Jenny Connor is the producer. K-O-N-N-E-R. Is it called Sober? That's really good. I also like, um, there's this show on Netflix about this mother who is an assassin, who was an assassin, uh, Winter something. I can't believe I don't remember the names of the name. And she had suppressed it. And uh, these, these people like tried to trigger it out of her. And she's like this little soccer mom, all frumpy. And then all of a sudden they trigger it out of her and she starts fighting. They want her to kill someone for them or find someone for them. And uh, so they put her in this life or death situation and it triggers her and she can kick ass. And then um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, probably. How many alarms do you set to wake up in the morning? Three. Three? Mm -hmm. If I invited you to a barbecue, what would you bring? Um, I probably bring uh, macaroni and cheese or oh, Patty the Bell's over the rainbow macaroni and cheese, <laughs> or um, or dessert, probably. Okay. What is the worst pickup line that you've ever heard? Um, can I smell your butthole? Wow. I know. I was like, yes. <laughs> If you could have a song play every time you enter a room, what song would it be? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good question. It would probably be the channel. Probably like PIMP by 50 or like, um, but it would be in slow motion with like a wind machine or what else? Beautiful by Snoop and Pharrell. Um, Or Maneater by Nelly Furtado. <laughs> and last question. If you had a talk show, living mm -hmm. or dead, who would be your first three guests? My first three guests would be... Hey! <laughs> Um, my first three guests would be Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Okay. Um, uh, somebody else. Somebody I don't want to put in that plan. Mm. Monique. And uh, 
and Jesus Mulier. Right on. Okay. Solid lineup. So we are now at the end of the show. Um, yeah. If there is anything that you would like to plug or if you want to drop your social media handles uh, for the folks listening at home and all over the world, you are more than welcome to do so now, sir. Uh, yeah, everything is Edison Apple. I got it on everything. Edison Apple Instagram, uh, um, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, keep an eye out. I have, uh, I just got with a producer who is going to do some internet stuff, you know. That's where everything is at these days. <laughs> it's true. And, um, but uh, the goal is HBO, so. People, fingers crossed. I I have nothing but faith that uh, you will get there. Yes. Um. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank Anytime. you so so much uh, for coming on the show today. I have enjoyed this immensely. Um, and anytime you would like to come back to any of my shows, I will always have a place for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got, I got a fresh fade for you. I had a, I blew out my hair, but it's starting to curl because I got sweaty. So <laughs> I put on a hat. <laughs> I love Spanish hair, so it curls. Okay. Thank you so much. I had fun. Have a good day. Don't make this weird is a dollop of trollop production in association with Spring Break 83 Productions and the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network.